0: This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Hey, Robert. Hey, Rocky. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yeah, let's go ahead and get, uh, get started, I suppose. Um... So it's been quite uh, quite an interesting week, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that um, in my talk today. But uh, where's the boss? The boss is at home with his kids. Good morning and blessings. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I'm giving a talk today, and uh, when Jay and I have been talking about something that happened. Uh, to me this past week um, for a while and he just thought nothing urgent came up or anything on his end. He's fine. He's well. He's with his kids. But he just just thought it would be uh, it would make sense while this was so fresh in my memory and uh, emotions. Hey, Selena, sup? To to go ahead and give this talk while it was uh, fresh for me and I'll try not to get emotional while I talk about it, but I want to talk today about nuance and empathy. One of my two faves. Uh, Obviously right now we're all facing really challenging times and uh, we don't know how to cope with the things that we've never really, to varying degrees, never had to cope with before. Um, And for a lot of us that means new methods for meeting the needs that we have. Um, we're facing, uh, we, we have to come up with new ways to meet the needs that we've always had because the times have changed and we have to be innovative sometimes. And sometimes we come up with, uh, desperate thoughts, thoughts out of desperation to meet those needs, to meet those lacks that we just innately have as people. And sometimes those desperations lead to drastic measures, and a lot of times, that's how we end up with with uh, desperate people. Like uh, they, they almost become like a person stumbling around in a dark room, frantically, kind of bumping into walls until they finally find, you know, a, a, a narrow, small, singular passageway out of this dark room that they're just overwhelmed by, and that they're just. Frantically, like, like a fly, you know, just just running into walls, and uh, when we encounter this firsthand, when we are arguably the victim of such chaos and such uh, such a an insecure and chaotic reaction, I swear I'm leading up to something. Um, then we get it. it can be easy to get scared, um, because that person a lot of times is sightless. They're in a blind room that they've never been in before. And a lot of times they're desperate. To the rest of us who are victims of that, a lot of times that can be startling, scary, and objectively and uh, uncontrollably heartbreaking. So what I'm building up to here is what happened was I got held up by gunpoint just this past week at work. I didn't lose any of my own money. It was uh, they, they just robbed the place i was working but i was the one working the register and so i was the one um handling the entire situation um the 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 young man who came in was very very scared um he was also very very unprepared and overwhelmed he, it was obviously his first time at least leading any sort of a heist or a robbery is probably his first time uh holding if not shooting a gun which was involved um he came up to me um i i knew i knew it was going to happen right before it happened he had he had an overwhelming sense of fear in his eyes he was he was overwhelmed and he, he reached for his pocket i knew it was going to happen and he pulled out a gun and and um thank you robert yeah yeah I, I am well and uh he pulled out a gun that was you know he honestly he could have just done the old uh stick his finger under his shirt and I would have cooperated just as well. But he pulled out a gun and, he, and, and then um, I put my hands where he could see them and I moved very slowly and I said okay I'm going to reach down here now and open the register you're not going to see my hands for a second and I'm going to grab I'm, gra- I'm grabbing the cash for you that's what I'm doing and I'm going to give you the money and then he cocked the gun in my head he 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 was holding it about six inches or so away from my head maybe a foot away and he cocked it in my head Um. Yeah, they need, Robert says robbers need better training. Yeah, I have a lot of feedback for the guy. He he escalated things very very quickly. Um, anyhow, he probably found this gun somewhere and 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 was desperate. Um, eventually, the cops showed up and they 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 took my story. And luckily, there was a camera next door at the gas station that he had previously tried to rob. Before he tried to ride the pizza place without a mask on at the gas station, so they got a really good picture of the guy. He was like a 22 year old kid, just a desperate 22 year old kid, just just a kid. Had no idea what he was doing, but the thing is, he was trying to handle the threat of the situation that he was facing. He was trying to handle feeling threatened and feeling scared circumstantially by becoming a threat by try he felt powerless and so he tried to to take the power back and you know ever since i got over the being shaken up by the situation because it is it you know shakes you up to get a gun cocked in your face but ever since then i've i've wondered you know why what led up to this what would make me choose to do this what series of events would, would this desperate, desperate, dangerous action make sense as a choice to me? Because I fully, firmly believe that every single thing that anyone ever does in that moment makes complete sense to them to, to choose that action. No matter how silly it may seem afterwards, no matter, no matter how, how silly it may seem to people on the outside of it, um, everything that we do in that moment makes sense to us to do. And so for some reason, this kid, fully unexperienced, who just came across a gun, probably watched too many you know, crime TV shows and movies, uh, thought that that was the best way to handle his situation. He made away with... $100 and two mountain dews. And so you know what that's even scarier is the fact that his desperation has not been satiated. Whatever he was trying whatever gap whatever lack he was trying to fill in that desperate move in that armed robbery was not met by $100 and two mountain dews and so he's still out there so desperate and so scared and that's upsetting. Um In his book there's a there's a philosopher named Adam Phillips. I'm changing topics now. I don't I'm not aware of a book that this this young man has written although I'd be curious to read it being sarcastic. In this book uh by Robert Phil, or by, I'm sorry, by Adam Phillips called Missing Out um he goes into detail about why we are driven by a desire to satisfy an innate human lack. And of course, this is no original idea. It pops up all over the place, especially in philosophy, is that we have an innate lack that we are trying to fill, be it as simple as hunger, shelter, food, companionship, uh, maybe a a lack created by conditioning. But either way, we are all trying to satisfy, trying to find the, the... the thing that will fill that lack. And there are a lot of different takes and a lot of different theories on filling that lack. Some of them thought to be permanent. Some of them thought to be temporal and impermanent. Um, Of course, the old donut repairman came up with a very clever permanent solution, which is simply sticking um, a donut hole into the middle of your heart. But I don't think that works. I I don't think there are any permanent solutions to this lack. I think this lack is very real and I think it's very important to address um, and to continue to renew ourselves in the pursuit of either filling it or coming as close to that as we can. But Adam Phillips, anyway, I'm sorry, back, back to my quote from Adam Phillips. He said, we can so little tolerate not knowing what we want not knowing whether it is available and not knowing... I'm sorry. And not having it, not knowing whether it is available and not having it, that we fabricate certainties to fill the void. In this specific example, it seems like this young man and his accomplice, he had an accomplice he split this 50 bucks and two Mountain Dews with. Um they fabricated a certainty they're like surely this will fix it surely this is worth the risk of armed robbery and you know 15 to 20 years surely this fabrication that we've conceived will solve all of our problems or at least buy us enough time to find a new solution and otherwise why would it have made sense we get desperate when our needs are not met. When our lack is not filled. We think illogically. We get desperate and we resort to drastic, often poorly thought out measures. And what I'm going to say now is probably going to sound slightly pessimistic. But I don't think, like I said, I alluded to earlier, I don't think that there is a permanent satisfaction to, to the lack. I don't think that there's a solution to satiate this lack permanently. I've studied psychology, Buddhism, and Christianity mainly, and I don't think that there's a permanent fix. But, I think we still have to stay active. I think we keep having to fill it and refill it, not give up on it. But to fill it and to refill it to the best of our capabilities, we have to keep filling it, hopefully in a healthy way. A lot of times people feel a lack and then they turn to drugs or to alcohol or substance abuse or to codependent relationships and things like that. And that may give us a sensation of that lack being filled. But hopefully as a community we can come together and we can learn from our mistakes, learn from the mistakes of others, and we can find a more healthy way to continually renew the fulfillment of this lack. In John chapter 4, yep, going to the Bible, Jesus said, who drinks of the the water I supply will never be thirsty again. No matter social standing, and this is me paraphrasing now because of the backstory of this quote, which I'll read in a second. No matter social standing, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, and we are still earthly, so uh, you'll probably have to relieve yourself, you know, go pee that holy water out once in a while, but guess what? The reservoir is going nowhere. It's unlimited. It is Provided, protected, and guaranteed by the Son of Man who knows your story. Who knows the shit you've pulled. Who knows the stupid choices you've made. But you'll never go thirsty again because it is an unlimited supply. And just to give a little bit more context, let's go ahead and look at John 4. So this is the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. The Samaritans and Jesus folk were not supposed to uh, interact. There came a, uh, and he was thirsty, and she had a well. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, "Give me a drink." The disciples had gone into the city for food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "How is that you a Jew?" Ask from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living waters. The woman said, Sir, since you have nothing to draw water from and the well is deep, where where will you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from himself. And he and his sons and his livestock. And he said, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty forever will never be thirsty forever. So you're probably going to drink the water. You're probably going to pee it out. But you're not going to be thirsty. You can drink before achieving thirst. It's always there. Take a sip. The water I give you will become in you a spring of well, of water welling up to eternal life. And of course... This is a metaphor, it is very plainly a metaphor, and it was obviously intended to be a metaphor. But we do need love. We need a well of love as shown by Christ, or by the archetype of Christ, or whatever you subscribe to, by love, capital love, endless love, and empathy. And no one is rejected. And one kind of cool thing about this everlasting water is that it's, rene- it's a renewable source that flows through us. It flows through us. The water I give you will become in him a spring of water welling up. A spring of water within you welling up to eternal life. So Christ didn't say you don't have to drink any water anymore, just that you will not want for it. You won't be all of a sudden fixed. It is a daily renewal. It is a daily dying to self. But you will not want for it. You will not be lacking it. It is abundant. It is a well within you. Not just a plug that keeps the water in there. Not a stopper. Not a donut hole that the donut repairman put in there to stop anything bad from getting in, but it is a well. It is a daily renewal. It is a daily practice. An endless resource that's available, that is there. But not without its challenges. And from this internal fountain springs forth... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Not perfect fruits, fruits that we have to prune, that we have to keep on watering and nourishing through this perfect love, this perfect life, this overflowing, abundant, never-ending well. Fruits that need to be tended after, that need to be cared for, that, that grow and ripen and then decay if they're not taken advantage of while they're ripe. They rot, they shrivel if ignored because Christianity is a practice. And it requires critical thinking and inward honesty. And so even though we have this well within us and we understand the fruit of the Spirit and we nurture the fruit of the Spirit, we still must show that strength to the weak wherever they are. Of course, I'm alluding back to the incident that I had earlier this week and to showing empathy and to showing love and to showing patience and to showing calmness and to channeling the spirit when possible to those who are weaker. And, 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 and we need this when we are weaker. In certain areas, we don't just arrive in Christianity. Christianity. This is a practice. This is a constant renewal. I need help in a lot of places that I get help from people within this congregation. And I try to provide help when I can, when it is needed, and when it is asked for. And oftentimes it's important to ask others what they lack and what they're thirsty for. And I know that Zoe is really good about that. What are you thirsty for right now? What would help you right now? My friend Phil Drysdale, who you can find at, uh, at Phil Drysdale on Instagram, or you can go to thegracecourse.com. is my favorite one of his websites. He also has uh, um, a really cool website that helps people who are going through deconstruction and questioning who help meet each other locally. Uh, he's a really good guy. But he said, not, say- not saying anything is good about fill in the blank." So let's say Hitler. So we're not saying that that when we have when we have ultimate empathy, when we have radical empathy, when I have empathy towards this person who cocked a gun in my face, I'm not saying there's anything good about that person. I'm not saying there's anything good about, about uh Hitler. I'm not saying there's anything good. But I am saying Maybe their dog loved them. That's a direct quote from Phil. Maybe, you know, maybe they were an asshole to them. Maybe they kicked their dog all over the place. Who knows? But they have, I don't want to say redeeming, but I can't think of a better word. They have human, human attributes. Something brought them to where they are. Nothing that we ever do in that moment doesn't make sense. Everything that we do in that moment makes complete sense to us. Does it make it right? No. Does it need to be punished? Yes. Does a lesson need to be learned? Yes. But embracing radical empathy doesn't mean that we just throw out tough love. It means that we try to see things through other people's shoes and we show grace. Grace. So once you've transcended your dualisms, your either-ors, then you can see how humans think. Because we're all created, if you subscribe to it, we're all created in the same divine image. There's something called system syncing that's very interesting um, that promotes a lot of empathy. Empathy. I would recommend looking it up, system sinking. And it's not finding the good in everyone, and it's not, oh, everyone just needs a second chance. It's saying we're all humans, and that is not to point to a policy. That is not to point to a better or different way to interact with people. It is an observation from which things will grow. It is an observation that is very important that you will apply when you need to apply it, and I'm not going to tell you how to. My last point is something else that I borrowed from Phil, and that is that evolutionarily, over what is true, we prefer what is safe. Evolutionarily, we prefer to believe what is safe not what is true necessarily. And that's why there's a lot of backwards reasoning. That's why a lot of times people come up with things that that they would regard as truths because wherever they're at and whatever truths or whatever uh, facts, in air quotes, those truths appear to support also support an individual's perceived safety. It's an instinct. It's a sur- it's a survival instinct. So I guess what I'm getting at is that people do what makes sense to them. And in a controlled environment, I talked to my dad about this actually earlier, and I know he's come on here and talked about it before, but um, pris- uh, prison ministry, you know, talking to people in a controlled environment and just saying, hey, not saying oh, you need the Lord, the Lord needs to say there's one way out, and you messed up here, but Jesus forgives you. But just say, what happened back there? What was that? Talking to my younger self, talking to my younger brothers, talking to people who I love. And just saying why did that make sense right then? What can we learn from this? What were you feeling? Because people are people. We're all people. And it doesn't excuse anything, and it never has and it never will. But a lot of times we have to forgive people because they don't know what they're doing. And if I have any prayer, it's that God would surround those types of people with the body that will teach them the lessons that they need to learn. In humanist terms, I hope instead of having to go to prison that people are rehabilitated by natural loving human means um i know i've benefited a lot from that so that's the end of my talk today um we'll open it up for afterglow seen some nice little little comments I uh, appreciate all those. Thank you guys very much for listening. Even though I am not Jay Baker, uh, yeah. But if anybody has any any comments or questions, real quick, I'll answer those. Otherwise, we can continue this on the. Uh, excuse me, in the discussion messages. Oh, I did want to mention. I'm trying. Hey, thanks, Brian. I'm trying to start a uh, a message. Uh I'm convoluting things. I'm re- I'm reading <laughs> I'm reading notes and talking at the same time. I'm trying to start a Facebook group for uh pastors kids because recently I've talked to a lot of pastors kids who uh can relate with each other really, really well, um who are in, in, in different um who are in different places. Okay, here come in some questions. Let's see. Greg says Some of the the best Christians I know are inmates, reading the Bible all day. I'm back for the third time because I got out and went back to my old friends. Yeah. And that's why I feel like being like, well, Jesus, you did everything wrong. You can do anything wrong, but Jesus will save you. Maybe, Maybe. I'm not saying that's not true. But the message of, hey, what happened? Like, why, what were you thinking? Was that a good thought? I, I feel like that's more productive than, pardon the pun, but get-out-of-jail-free card. Get-out-of-hell-free card. That's just my theology. Um, oh, the source for the... Uh, Greg is asking, the source for the last quote is Adam Phillips. He said, we can do... I'm sorry. Adam Phillips, in his book Missing Out, says... We can so little tolerate not knowing what we want, not knowing whether it is available and not having it, that we fabricate certainties to fill the void. And that's just kind of from one of his earlier chapters. He kind of, uh, he goes in a different direction later in the book, but that's that was the quote that I read. Uh, Zoe asks, how do we go to that well? Yeah, so it's a big metaphor in my head. So I can answer it any way I want, but no, no I'm just joking. But um, I, to me, the well is community. I, I know at the end of, of all my sermons is 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 community. Um, but yeah, no problem. Uh, but yeah, so uh, t- to me, it's community. To me, it's love. Uh, wherever that is, finding love. Wells run out. I'm a well, and I run out. People come to me and uh you know, and and I'll give them everything I got, but once once I'm out, I'm out, you know i'm so then you'd go f- to another well, and that's why I have communities is because we have different people, different body members with different parts and different skills and and uh and different capacities to help each other. Zoe asks, how do we keep being satisfied by the source? What actions do we take by the source? do you mean love?" How do we keep being satisfied by the source? The source changes, um, probably. I mean, one day the source that's going to fill your void is painting your room, and then you paint your room, and then you're not satisfied anymore. Um, An everlasting source, I would think, would be love, um, which can be found in a community full of many wells. Um, The idea of Christ, the archetype of Christ as a never-ending well, Sounds great, but as a body, we can become a Christ, a, a, the, the body of Christ, and therefore have more resources and have more wells um, to be taken advantage of. Uh, let's see here. Cheryl says, Oh, I'm sorry. Zoe so, no, that was last. We already answered that. Okay. So, and okay. Cheryl says, Conversation with Jesus. I love, love this. Maybe through our conversations, people can see bits and pieces of. Jesus character instead of the other way around I agree yeah and we all fail and we all run out of water in our wells and um, and that's why we have the church I guess even though it's not perfect but it's about as about as good as we got that I can come up with uh, Thank you Ray for the compliment the is community like that phrase very good cool if, unless anyone has anything specific I reckon. We're going to call it. Uh, we need to do more Meet Your Congos if anyone wants to do that. Donate to revolutionchurch.com slash donate. We're getting ready to move to Seattle. It's going to be a really big move. I'm excited about it. It's going to be good, but it is going to be costly. So uh, even just donations of gear, audio equipment, uh, or recommendations of places to stay are very much appreciated. Oh, got something else from Zoe here. I've heard community described as a choir holding long notes. Individuals can stop and take breaths. Oh, that's gorgeous, but the note is sustained. Very good. Oh, that's that's great, Zoe. I love that a lot. I love that a lot. Individuals can stop and take breaths. Yep. That's beautiful. I love that. That's very, very well put. Thank you so much okie doke everyone that looks like we're wrapping up here um I know I don't talk half like li- I'm looking at the timer right now I don't talk literally half <laughs> literally uh half as long as Jay folks are there to keep the source active says Zoe. thank you so always love hearing from you okay um assalamualaikum and uh oh here's here's Ray a Christ is much more conductive to community than the Christ. Yes, yes, yes. As Christ, in quotes, or in, in uh, inverted commas, can be interpreted as and adapted. We can even take the theology of the universal Christ, which is a Roar, and yeah, Roar talks about that many other theologians do as well and spread that into evolving communities as they reinterpret Christ. Gorgeous. Perfect. Love it. Yes. Million percent well said, Ray. Well, well, well said. That's gorgeous. I can't wait to see uh, any any more comments in the uh, like after this is posted. I can't wait to see what everyone else has to say. Lots of really good comments. I was I was ready for some pushback, <laughs> but this is all very very nice. Okay, love love you all very, very much. I love everyone, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.